Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Perceptive Podcast here on Game Wisdom, where we study the art and science of games. I am Josh Blaser, and we got another great cast for you this week. We're going to be talking to another independent developer who's currently working on the game Fission Superstar X, which is going to be due out in, at this point, early 2019. I've put up several first look videos on it on the Game Wisdom YouTube channel, and I enjoyed my time with it. And he was happy enough to come on and chat a little bit about his studio, as well as developing the game. So, please welcome, from studio Turbo Pelvis 3000, Philippe. Hello. Hi, Philippe. It's a pleasure to have you on today. How are you doing? I'm fine. Pleasure to be here, too. Yep, it's great to have you on. We've been chatting through Discord for the last few weeks, and we finally got a chance to sit down and discuss things. For everybody listening to us right now, we are recording this just at the tail end of August, so summer is almost over. I guess, how's the weather where you're at? Yeah, it's uh, hot all the time, as uh, everywhere else on the planet, I'm guessing, so... Yes, it is. (laughs) But thankfully, the heat wave season should almost be over. And hopefully by the time people are listening to this cast right now, it will at least be a little bit uh, chillier out. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be gray again and uh, damp and uh, depressing. Mm -hmm. Nah, it's going to be fine. Yeah. But uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Like I said a minute ago, I've been playing Fission Superstar X, at least the early press build, and I've been really enjoying the game, and I'm excited to talk to you more about that as we get further into the cast for tonight. Okay, so uh, yeah, ask what you want, (laughs) and uh, I'll oblige. Sure. So to begin with, as with any new developer we have on for these casts, to start... Uh, can you go over a little bit about your background in the game industry and what is Turbo Pelvis 3000? Okay, uh, I've been working in the well game industry. Uh, well, to begin to begin with, I'm uh, more of an artist than a programmer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, it's been around uh, 20 years since uh, I do my work. I worked on the like 3D stuff and 2D stuff. I did uh, uh, work on some movies, work on well, small movies, but still small cartoons, uh, some uh, ads, some uh, video games at small studios and big studios. Uh, around, uh, I think it's. Uh, Five years ago, I stopped working at a big uh, AAA studio, and I decided to uh, work on uh, an indie project with a friend of mine, uh, which is called Dead Skin Marks. Mm -hmm. It came out uh, four years ago. Uh, It had moderate success, so I don't know how many people hearing that name actually know what the game is, but it was a uh car combat game roguelike car combat game very 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 offensive with lots of uh, adult theme uh, uh, content uh, not uh, pornographic or anything but like uh, satanism drugs uh, anti-religious stuff uh, neo-nazis and ultra violence so uh yeah we we did that game and then uh, 
two years passed. And at some point, uh, I wanted to do another game. My partner wasn't ready, so I decided to start a um, solo uh, studio, which I called... Well, actually, at the time, we handled everything. We handled uh, doing the game. We handled the PR. We handled uh, also paperwork, for which I am... uh, uh, I'm terrible at uh, managing paperwork, frankly. So for that studio, I decided I should get someone on board that will do that. So I asked my girlfriend, who is uh, who has somehow a... Uh, well, she's talented in uh, organ- logistics and organization. So she handles the paperwork and I handle the of the creative aspect of the company. So basically the, the company is just us two. I'm doing all the uh, production and she's doing all the uh, in-grade uh, back, uh, um, background work. So also a uh, thing I'm terrible at is doing music. So I needed someone else to uh, compose the music for the game. So for uh, this game, we... Uh, Asked a friend of ours who, uh, well, he did music but never produced something as a professional. So uh, his name is Mathieu Gamache, and we uh, hired him for the um, mm-hmm. production of music uh, of the game. And uh, yeah, so that's basically uh, the company, how it is, and my background. So okay. I don't know, do you have uh, any more question regarding this or did I overlook something? Um, I guess um, I was looking at the aura, I was looking at the uh, Steam page for Death Skin Marks as you were talking, Philippe, and the art looks very similar. Did you do the art for Death Skin Marks as well as for Fission Superstar? Yeah. All right. I did uh, both uh, art on the Death Skin Mark and Fission Superstar. I did, uh, well... Fission, uh, uh, Dead Skin Mark is a two-man job. Mm-hmm. Uh, the programmer is called uh, Jean-Sébastien Royer. He did uh, all the programming, all the coding. He even uh, coded the uh, the game engine for that. And uh, he also did the music. So, yeah, the, the guy was like, he's basically some kind of programming genius. So he was overkill for that project, clearly. But yeah, still, he enjoyed doing it. And uh, yeah, we had lots of fun. But the new game, it's uh, I-, I handle the programmation and the, um, the art. So that's it. Okay. Now, uh, with both games, they're obviously both inspired by the roguelike genre. Uh, what... Uh, I guess what drove you or what made things interesting to pursue games in as roguelikes or roguelites, depending on who we talk to? Uh, what I like about that uh, that uh, genre is that uh, we you can play a game and it's going to be different each time. And also it forces players to uh, try new stuff. You can't just uh, say, oh yeah, I'm going to do that build, and then you just uh, move along and uh, just like uh, grind for uh, endless hours. And 
until the, the point where you get your dream build, you enjoy it for like uh, 10 minutes and then it's more grinding. So it's really short games. You play for around, uh, well, in the case of Dead Skin Marks, it, it was uh, around uh, one hour, one hour, 30 minutes. Uh, Fission Superstar, it's around, I think it's three hours to complete the full run, maybe four. I have to, yeah, I think it's around three hours. So it's really short games and you play, you die or you succeed. And then when you replay, it's going to be different. The uh, randomization is going to uh, give you more challenge or less challenge. It's going to uh, have you uh, uh, gather uh, more unique items and have uh, different combinations. So that, that, that's what I think is, is interesting in games like this and uh, games like FTL and other roguelike, rogue uh, well, roguelites game. Because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, uh, these are not uh, roguelikes. We get, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we get told uh, by uh, gamers, yeah, your game is not a roguelike. It's a roguelike. Okay, it's a roguelike. <laughs> All right, no, no problem with that, but... Uh, yeah, that's that's what I find interesting. Also, it's uh, you can't really uh, just do save scum and just reload games when it doesn't go your way. I mean, when you finish the game, you actually earn it. It means you're you're the master of that game, and when you're going to replay it, it's going to be the, the same. You're going to beat again the game. It's not uh, like you just didn't sit like for. Uh, 10 hours and endure the game and even if you play uh, badly you're going to finish it mm-hmm. yeah and the other interesting aspect of course is how you manage the difficulty of a roguelike or roguelike game considering that as you said philippe everything is different each time you play it so from a design standpoint you have to be accommodating towards those runs where you know you get the best items and you just plow through everything or you get unlucky and you're just not getting anything you can use to help you. Yeah, you, um, you can put some uh, rubber band things like uh, have the game check from time to time if the, the, the player is doing well. And in that case, you're just uh, throwing in uh, more uh, tougher enemies at him or... Uh, on the contrary, when the, he's uh, in trouble, well, you just uh, uh, give him a break and uh, throw him some bone. Um, in uh, Efficient Superstar, there are some things like that uh, going in, uh, uh, working in the background. It's pretty subtle, but uh, it's not uh, it's not uh, that present. In uh, Dead Skin Mark, it was more or less linear. It was... Uh, I did play the game uh, thousands of times just to get the right balancing. And I mean, uh, at some point I saw that I consistently finished the game and never died because of a bad luck. Mm-hmm. At that point I thought, yeah, I think the game is balanced well enough so that players who put time in it and learn the game actually are going to finish it. So, mm-hmm. uh, in uh, Fission, I'm uh, trying to, uh, because we had some little complaints where 
players said, well, you get to a boss and then you get your ass kicked because you um, can't learn the pattern well enough, uh, fast enough. So in Fish and Superstar, I tried to uh, keep those moments to a minimum and uh, tried to um, put um, less moments where you get screwed by the, um, the, the randomization and have instant death. So mm-hmm. uh, how I did that was uh, basically uh, the enemies would uh, never spawn too close from you. So you basically had some warning before they enter the screen. Also, uh, yeah, the, the scrolling in Dead Skin Mark was a bit problematic because it was vertical because of the screen aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. Uh, the... Um, things coming at you from the top of the screen, you had little time to dodge them. So we had to lower the damage it did. But uh, in Fishing Superstar, since it's not a top-down scroller, it's a side-scroller, uh, I figured that the player would have enough time to see things coming at him. And in fact, it's what what's happening is that he really has time to dodge things. Also, he has that shield that he can block uh, things coming at him, so it's a bit easier. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I think I just got carried away. And what was the, <laughs> the initial question? I think we were just talking about roguelike difficulty, and that's how it all spun off there. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, it's really... Uh, well, you play and you see what items are unfair, and then at some point you just control the, the way they spawn, and uh, mm-hmm. that's basically it. If you want to be a, if you want to be a really hardcore uh, roguelike player, you can. Uh, well, in uh, Fission, I did that thing called the Regulator, when where you can turn off those uh, rubber band things, and then everything is thrown at you, <laughs> but. Uh, it's hard as hell, and uh, mm-hmm. frankly, I didn't even finish the game with everything turned on. So <laughs> I plan to have it uh, finishable with those settings, but uh, right now it's really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's basically it. You control your difficulty by controlling what spawns, and that's going to... Uh, Mm-hmm. basically make your uh, experience tougher in the end and easier at the beginning. Mm-hmm. That's it. All right. Now, a few minutes ago, uh, you brought up some of the roguelikes you've played, like FTL and stuff like that. Were there any roguelikes that directly influenced uh, Death Skid Marks or Fish and Superstar? Uh, at the time, I thought of uh, the basic concept of Dead Skin Marks, I was uh, playing a lot of FPL. So, uh, yeah, and I was, I had some other ideas like um, some uh, uh, airplane game where you could hijack different airplanes and uh, yeah, different stuff like that. So I kind of blended together uh, different ideas I had and different external influences I had. The main influence that came from FTL was really the uh, concept of doing a short run that was all randomized. That's the main thing. I mean, apart from that, uh, there are not 
ton of things that uh, are taken from that game. Maybe uh, the way uh, things are randomized in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a bit like FTL, but FTL has more like, uh, you know, you, you get to a stop and you have that uh, uh, set uh, scenario that comes at you and with little variations because, uh, yeah, you had some storyline running and to that point and some, I don't know, space pirate captain would tell, would tell you something and then... Uh, you have a combination of uh, that encounter with that environment and that will make your variety. So mm. that's totally absent from the, the two games I did uh, mm. as an indie developer. All right. Now, while I may not be an artist, I did want to ask you one question regarding the art, Philippe. I really like the kind of style from Death Skin Marks and with Vision Superstar X. Is there like an actual term for that kind of aesthetic? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. I mean, uh, I just draw the, the, the stuff I do. I mean, I, I have some influences, but they're so different. I just, I don't know. Uh, uh, I guess thing that would look a bit similar would be uh, uh, Jamie Hewlett did. And even then, it's not really the same thing, so I don't know how you would call that. So. <laughs> well, we'll let the people in the comments below argue that, because this is definitely not a art cast. That would be a whole different discussion we could have. <laughs> yeah, I really don't know. Well, actually, I don't know what I'm, if what I'm doing, or mm-hmm. if it's uh, reminiscent of something that exists elsewhere i just well i just do what i do and not pretending that it's that unique or uh, that i don't have influences it's just that uh, at that point i do that thing that's it i mean uh like maybe 15 years ago uh, my draw style was uh, a lot more simpler and before that i did uh, some kind of uh, cartoony style with the uh, big uh, black ink flats as shadows and after that i uh, saw what uh, well i got a bit tired of doing that because it was really long to do and then after that i got my hands on the logos back which simon Bisley drew which i i thought was uh, uh, very refreshing i mean it was very interesting to look at what he did and uh, it uh, basically uh, told me that I should stop doing uh, stuff so uh, uh, not polished but uh, geometrical and long to do so at that point I started to do a more sketchy stuff and uh, after a while I think maybe I got back a bit to my earlier influences and uh, started to uh, uh, combine a bit that uh, more loose drawing style with uh, mm-hmm. something more geometrical. But uh, yeah, that's. All right. I don't know. I'm just trying to see from where I came to to do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I never asked myself the, the <laughs> real question, I guess. All right. Not a problem. 
Now, I think with that, uh, let's move on and talk a little bit more about Fission Superstar X. And I think that will probably take us to the end for the cast. I'm sure we can okay. spend a good 20, 25 minutes on that, at least easily. But um, before we get there, uh, I guess one other question for you, Philippe. Are there any other parts about roguelike design or just the implementation that you're interested in talking about? Or we can just move right on to Fission. Uh yeah, I don't uh, don't know. Um, well, I guess uh, do you have a question about that, or uh... um, I guess I... generally no, but I do have some related directly to fission that we'll talk about when we get to the next section. Okay. Yeah. Well, now that you talk about it, a thing that uh, yeah, I think I worry a bit when I do games like that is to strike a good balance between a, a, a good hard game and something that's just frustrating. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's with uh, those kind of games, you have to put some uh, stuff to unlock and some persistence between your games or else the, the, the player is going to get really, uh, really, really frustrated and really angry. And uh, yeah, when you do a, uh, game like this it's uh, somehow a fine line that you walk between uh, do, between doing something that's hard but fair and something that's just uh, frustrating and uh, sometimes I, I fear that uh, yeah the, the game may cross the line and uh, lose some players but yeah right now I don't think it's too frustrating but uh, uh, I'm not a player I'm the guy who did it so. <laughs> Yeah, people are going to tell me very angry forums or whatever. Oh yeah, of course that will always happen there. Yeah. Um, let me see. If there's anything else regarding roguelike design? I don't think there's anything more generally. Again, it's a topic we could spend who knows how many hours discussing. But uh, yeah, let's. Uh, move on and talk a little bit more about Fission Superstar X. So, I guess the first question for people listening to us right now who haven't had a chance to watch the videos or heard of the game, what is kind of the elevator pitch for the game? Uh, elevator pitch, okay. Uh, well, it's a space roguelike game where you uh, carry a bomb made scientists to do concerts on all the planets of the solar system. So that that would be it. All right. Now, from my video, one of the things I wanted to talk to you design-wise was the decision to essentially have your one ship be kind of four independent components. And for people listening to us right now, the general gameplay involves you have your different crew members and they each man a different gun on your ship, and that determines where they can aim, what kind of damage they'll do, stuff like that. And I guess, what was the decision to base that the combat along this kind of design? Uh, the thing is that uh, when I start a project, I mean, it's good to have some influences, but if you're just redoing something that already exists, I don't, I don't even know why you should start a project if you just plan to redo something that's mm-hmm. already there and uh, that you liked a lot. And so you're just 
going to redo a space shooter or redo roguelike, uh, space roguelike like uh, FTL. So mm-hmm. at that point, uh, when I did that, I, I, I tried different designs and at some point I, well, I looked at that skin mark and I was like, I, we did something pretty unique as a uh, blend of uh, different game genre. So it was a decision to retake a bit that uh, kind of gameplay and put it in a different context. And uh, at some point I was, uh, I knew that uh, we couldn't, well, I couldn't redo exactly the same thing as far as gameplay goes. So I had to uh, do different challenges. So I thought that uh, an interesting thing would be to have a rotating shield that would block incoming attacks. Also, you could uh, move around the ship, but I didn't want to have a little, little ship that moved around and you just dodge bullets like in a bullet hell. So I thought uh, maybe I have something like, uh, you know, uh, bombers in World War II where they have turrets and blind spots and you have to basically position yourself and fire uh, on the enemy ship from uh, your turret and at the same time keep out of the uh, different uh, uh, angles of uh, attack that the different uh, enemy turrets have. And uh, for uh, those situations where it's uh, impossible to do so, you have uh, that shield that you can put uh, that you can put up, but when it's up, basically you can't really attack. Well, you can in some different situations, but most of the time you can't. Uh, also, uh, since uh, you had that, I thought it would be interesting to have bigger ships, and instead of focusing on uh, uh, encounters of uh, like 20 enemy ships coming at you, you'd have, uh, well, maybe two or three ships coming and ship duels and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's basically uh, the motivation uh, for the the, um, Mm -hmm. turret angles and the blind spots and the the whole uh, ship positioning thing and the shield. So, yeah, that's uh, basically it. All right. How long uh, has it been since you started working on Fission Superstar X? Uh, I think I, well, I didn't work on it full time, but, uh, two years. Okay. I guess, as you said a few seconds ago, Philippe, that you pretty much had like the original prose of what you wanted to do kind of down from the beginning. Has the game like changed at all mechanically from your original vision to where it's at now? Uh, yeah, things have changed. But uh, the basic mechanics were pretty well set at the beginning. Uh, I mean, when I think of a game design, I try to uh, put some uh, various... Yeah, uh, no, that's not true. A big thing that changed was that at the beginning, I would be more crew-oriented. So I had lot, a lot more crew members in the ship. I think at some point I had eight crew members in the, the ship. Uh, also, yeah, that, that's the biggest thing that changed actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that point, not everybody had a gun. 
So you had one guy managing the engine, you had one guy managing energy core, you had the pilot, you had the, the shield, the shield guy, and you had gunners. So basically you had four gunners, but you had all the other guys doing their job. Mm. At some point I started uh, doing the game. And then I saw that the UI was gigantic and it was blocking a big part of the top screen. If you want, I think I have uh, some old screenshot uh, from that period because I took screenshots from the very beginning of the game. But uh, yeah, I, um, at some point I told myself that it was stupid because I could just merge different uh, crew members and have them uh, do two jobs. So you have everybody now has a turret and has a job. So mm -hmm. that's basically it. Ah. That's the big thing that changed. Okay. Now, one thing that I'm curious about with Vision Superstar X are the enemy designs that you have in the game. From what I've played so far, you have like your generic enemy ships that can randomly spawn in. And then, of course, you have the boss battles and even like mini bosses as well. And my question for you is, I guess, how did, how did the enemy designs come about based on your original design and prototype? Um, what do you mean by that? I guess, how did you decide what kind of enemies you wanted the player to go up against, given the kind of systems you create with having originally a crew member and then shrunk it down to four? Well, uh, at first, uh, first enemy type I did for the game was the basic fighter that you see at the beginning that fires in the, the rear of the ship. And then uh, after that, uh, from, from that, that's the basic one. I decided, okay, uh, then how can we challenge the, the player to um, uh, move around the, in the screen and how we can, uh, we can just make his uh, comfort zone change, the, change a bit so he can't use all the time the same uh, attacks. So you basically have a different ship that will come at different angles to attack have, uh, later in the game because yeah at 25% uh, of the game you won't see everything that's in the game of course even if you uh, turn on the regulator mm -hmm. that lets you uh, see much more you can see uh, for instance uh, later in the game there's an enemy that uh, fires a um, big ray that uh, basically goes from side to side on the screen and you just need to get out of there because it's going to drain your uh, your energy core so that ship will drain your uh, your energy and then it will damage you but even if you don't get damaged then you don't have any energy for your uh, shield so uh, yeah that's uh, one type of enemy and mm. basically um, I went around and uh, played the game and then I thought okay we have uh, the, the player can basically have it easy if he only encounters this. So to fill that uh, that gap, I need this other type of enemy. So now I design this other one. And, uh, mm -hmm. At some point, uh, when I think I had around uh, common enemies, I think there are 75. Mm -hmm. And then I just 
from from there I started to do some declinations. Uh, most of them are visible. Uh, some of them are just AI that changes. Now, so the enemies are modular. Mm-hmm. If you noticed, but uh, for instance, the engine can change from uh, one enemy to the other, which will affect the speed of the enemy. The weapons change, and uh, some enemies will have some armor on them. Mm-hmm. So that basically gives you a big range of uh, spawning uh, variations for each enemy. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, basically you have those common enemies they come in uh, four different um, factions. And then you have eight bosses. You have eight mid-bosses. And then you have, um, well, you have some nu- neutral things like space whales and uh, a big uh, Pac-Man-like asteroid that tries to uh, uh, devour uh, everything screen and uh, some other things like that. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking about the enemy ships being modular as well, I wasn't sure if this was right or not, but are you able to shoot the weapons off? Like, Are you able to shoot like every weapon off of an enemy ship as a strategy, or are some parts just uh, invo- uh, non-destructible? Uh, you can't shoot weapons, okay. but uh, usually if a ship has, uh, for instance, two weapons, you'll have a crewman uh, attached to it. So uh, if you have a uh, like cruiser with uh, two turrets, uh, you basically shoot one turret, the gun will disappear. So that's a strategy that you can have. If you see that an enemy has a strong weapon on top and the, the enemy is armed, shoot the, the, the turret and then the, the weapon is gone. It's not going to bother you. Mm-hmm. Also. If you uh, shoot all crew members on different ships, they will explode. So that that's a way that you can get rid uh, faster uh, of the different enemies, and especially the one that have uh, heavy armor on them. Mm-hmm. And speaking about the different uh, parts on the ships, one of the things I found interesting about like the actual player ship is the fact that you've split the overall health bar into essentially four different quadrants based on where damage is coming from. And I was wondering to go into a little bit more detail about how you settle on that kind of design for the player's armor and their healing ability. Yeah, that's uh, that's another way to have the... Because... Uh, to, yeah, th- that's a way to have the, the, the player move around the screen and position in, himself in different places because that's... Uh, Kind of the the the, the main uh, the main thing that you have to do is basically move around and place yourself in the best spot to shoot someone else. That's uh, the most of the combat is that. So basically, having the ship uh, separated in four quadrants uh, would would force the player to uh, be really careful when he's damaged somewhere. So that, that's just another way to, to have him moving around because if the damage was global, it really doesn't matter where you are screen when you get shot at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it also, as, as you said, it kind of just ties everything in in terms of how modular 
everything is in terms of Fission Superstar X. Uh, sorry, uh, I think you uh, the, the communication just cut. So what did you ask? Uh, I was just saying it kind of ties everything together in terms of how modularly designed all the ships and various characters and of Vision Superstar X. Yeah, everything is uh, more or less... Uh, yeah, it's modular and it's uh, separated in different parts. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, enemy ships are also separated. I mean, mm -hmm. if you have two weapons on a ship, it would probably mean that the ship is is split in two parts and there are two uh, crew members there. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's basically how they're separated. There are exceptions, but it's mostly that. Mm -hmm. so. Now, I think with that said, I'm coming to the end of my questions. I have a few like kind of logistics-related questions for you before we wrap things up. But uh, one other question I want to ask you from the design that I've seen so far playing Fission Superstar X is kind of the persistence that you have in the game. Uh, I know you can unlock the various ships, by getting to each planet, and there's, there's that thing about DNA points. I was wondering if you go into a little bit more detail about how the game can change on each successive run. Uh, yeah, the uh, main thing is that uh, you uh, blow planets to uh, unlock ships. So you uh, land somewhere, you have that concert with the bomb and everything trailed, so... You can decide to uh, either continue your run or blow up the planet. Uh, why I did that is that I thought that it would be less frustrating for a player if he would, uh, like, for instance, you basically just barely beat a boss and your ship is all beat up and you know that you're going to die anyway in the future. So, at that point, at least you can unlock something and we try again with a different uh, type of ship. And so that, that's why I did that. Uh, I did that thing that way. And it's also fair to uh, replay with different uh, approaches and different ships. Mm -hmm. So they, they could just say, oh, I'm going to do just an unlocking run to uh, unlock the Jupiter ship because I don't have it. So they, they start, they play for a while, they get to Jupiter and they blow it up and they, they get a new ship. So that's it. Okay. The uh, DNA points, basically, they help you a lot to uh, restart the game uh, more easily. Uh, at the beginning, if you just have the two points, you uh, have a really poor uh, pilot which uh, makes it harder because the pilot is in charge of upgrading the different crew members' skill. So if the pilot herself has bad skills, it's going to be really long before everybody catches up because uh, if you need uh, to, to, to rely on this, you're just going to click and the uh, difference will be just uh, minimal. So. That's uh, that, that's how those points are useful. Also, uh, if you have more precise uh, firing and uh, armor, it, it does help a lot. But also, the players are not uh, they don't have to necessarily endure a pilot to just get to a shop and they uh, exchange her, and that's it. Okay. 
And I think with that, are there any aspects of the design of Vision Superstar X that we didn't touch on that you'd like to bring up now, Philippe? Uh, there are probably some aspects, but uh, yeah, it's hard to uh, think of something like that. I mean, what else is there to say? It's, uh, uh, let's see. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, another uh, unique thing, uh, like I said that the earlier, it's a, uh, I did add a thing called the regulator, which is, uh, I think it's a pretty unique way to, uh, make the game harder or, well, it's mostly make it harder. It's not making it easier, but you basically, uh, turn off, uh, the, the whole balancing thing of the game. And then if you just, like, I don't know, you, you played like, uh, 20 times and then at some point you're uh, starting to see a bit, uh, how the game looks and it's more interesting at the end because uh, you get more different uh, environments and uh, different encounters then you can just flip a switch on that thing and then uh, the game will stop to uh, uh, make only the the easy environments appear at the beginning and you get the full range of environments uh, when you start the game so it's a new way to play and you get more variety so basically it's more replay value for the player i think it's a, a good thing and i don't know any game that does that actually so mm. uh, maybe uh, i'm sure something uh, must exist i mean uh, <laughs> these days it's mm. pretty rare to uh, come up with something truly unique but uh, yeah maybe someone played uh, Mm-hmm. some title with uh, something similar so uh, anyway if it exists uh, i'd like to know mm-hmm. i think the closest that i've seen would be maybe something like the game uh the world ends with you for the nintendo ds and how the players can okay. adjust the difficulty in terms of how aggressive the enemies are how many fights they have in a row and even like lowering their max hp and those various elements would uh, directly impact the rewards it would get for each battle. It's more of like a, an RPG kind of system. I'm trying to think if there's any like pure or uh, semi-pure roguelites or roguelikes that did something else. And nothing's coming to my mind right now. But for anybody listening, if you know of a game that has done stuff like this, where players can pick and choose elements, uh, let us know in the comments below. Yeah, there's... Um... You know the uh, well. I'm a, uh, I mean, I played a lot of uh, flight simulators and stuff like that. And those games have uh, like difficulty screens where you can toggle uh, the different difficulty elements. So that's a bit where uh, I took the idea. But uh, yeah, now it's not difficulty really. It's just you turn off the balancing, so it's making the game more random. Okay, so I think with that, uh, let's move on to my uh, final set of questions, and then we will say goodnight for our cast. So, okay. uh, to begin with, as we said at the start, Vision Superstar X is about like 25-30% as of this time of recording, and um, just to elaborate for people listening, what is kind of your tentative release date right now for the game? Uh, it's uh, going to be uh, end January. Okay. 
Okay. 2019. Okay. So. All right. Now, obviously, the version I'm playing right now is a press build. So uh, people listening will, will not be able to play that one. But are you thinking about putting the game onto early access or will you just be releasing it at 1.0 in January? Uh, I'm not saying no or yes on that yet. Okay. I have some ideas I don't know yet, frankly. Uh, because, well, if I say yes and I don't do it, people are going to say that I'm a liar. So, <laughs> uh, we'll see. All right. Now, obviously, I'm playing it on Steam. Are you aiming for any other platforms for when the game is released? Yes, right now it's uh, we're doing a port for Xbox. Interesting. Uh, do you see it possibly going to like the Switch or PSN? Uh, at a later point, if uh, well, if the game does well, we're going to definitely and uh, Switch. I would definitely like it. Hmm. And I guess uh, for you, Philippe. Are there any other topics that you're interested in discussing, whether it's design-related or related to Fission Superstar X? Uh, (laughs) 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 I I mean, uh, as you you probably uh, saw, I'm pretty easy to get talking, but you really have to give me something to start rambling about. All right. Well, I think with that, I am about out of questions for right now. Again, for people listening to us, the game is not really far enough along for me to like go into like full, you know, game critique mode on it just yet. But I'm sure in the coming months, as the game gets uh, more developed, if you're free, Philippe, we can certainly have you back on for either a live or record talk to kind of give like a updated take on how the development of Fish and Superstar X went. Okay, sure. All right. So I think with that, my final question for you for tonight then is, do you have any like final thoughts or anything you want to say to any fans maybe listening to this cast right now? Ah, uh, final thoughts. Uh, well, to uh, people that played the uh, Dead Skin Mark and enjoyed it, and uh, I mean, uh, there, there are lots of uh, great players out there. And, I mean, I really enjoy interacting with people uh, that uh, play uh, the games uh, that uh, well that that I did and that uh, the JS did. So. Uh, I guess if I only I don't have anything to say to uh, fans or people that play our game except uh, to say thank you and I guess uh, it's when you uh, work a lot and gets uh, really 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 uh, draining and uh, the end tired but uh, when it's out and you see people playing it's uh, really rewarding see them enjoying it mm-hmm. and uh, at the same time when you see someone getting really angry and just at you it, uh, well it affects you a lot also but uh, mm-hmm. I mean uh, 90% of people are positive and uh, great people so I don't have any com- real complaints about that and only have uh, gratitude so that's uh, right. that's 
mostly what I have to say about that. <laughs> All right. And one last thing before I let you go for tonight. Are there any uh, social media channels that you'd like to plug for Fission Superstar or for Turbo Pelvis? Uh, you can uh, follow the game on uh, Facebook. That's mostly where I post the, uh, the updates. Mm -hmm. uh, you can interact uh, with me on the Discord if you want. Um, there's a... I think I'll just put a link back on uh, Facebook and mm -hmm. then people are going to be able to uh, <laughs> join from there. And also, uh, you can, uh, the, I'm not really active on Twitter and, uh, well, I post from time to time videos on, uh, so, so yeah, that's, uh, I think the, the central place is really on Facebook right now. Okay. And, want to, uh, uh, what's the, uh, Facebook, like the, uh, page for Fission or is it just a Turbo Pelvis page? Uh, it's uh, facebook.com slash fissionx. Okay. In one word. Okay. Well, I think with that, we will wrap things up for tonight. So, again, Philip, it, uh, Philippe, it's been great chatting with you and definitely the best of luck with getting Vision Superstar X wrapped up for this year. Thank you. It was great to uh, ramble with you. <laughs> Not a problem. So, for everybody listening, we are going to end things for this week's cast. Be sure to check out Vision Superstar X as we get later into this year and definitely when it gets released in early 2019. As I said earlier, if you want to see more footage of it, I'll include links to my two videos down below. But thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Perceptive Podcast. If you'd like to support what we do here at Game Wisdom, you have several options available. To write a guest piece for the site or be a future podcast guest, you can find information and links under Submissions Wanted on the front page. You can follow me on Twitter at GWBicer for my thoughts and updates throughout the day. We have our own Discord channel that you should find linked in the About page or on our Patreon patreon.com slash gwbicer where your donations can help to keep things going and get access to some additional rewards and last but not least check out the rest of the content on the game wisdom youtube channel for videos on game design game spotlights and our live casts on game design and the industry but that's going to do it for this week's episode of the receptive podcast tune in next time for another great discussion about the art and craft of game design until then have a good week